Okay, hello, welcome to episode 201 of Sack Kings Therapy. Uh, the dust has somewhat settled for the Kings in free agency. Um, so I thought it was the right time to finally do an episode. Uh, yeah, coming to you alone today because uh, Fong is on vacation. So it would just be me. So um, basically, the Kings have made two moves so far. Uh, at the start of free agency at 3 o'clock Pacific time, it, we get a tweet from Shams. Uh, Malik Monk had signed with the Kings for, um, I believe it's two years, 19 million. I don't have the figure in front of me. Uh-oh. But, yes, um, the Kings, basically, like, they were linked to Malik Monk, like, literally right after <laughs> I, per- I um, per- was it called, published the episode, a-, a report from Jake Fisher saying that he was the front runner, essentially, of uh, getting the... Basically, Kings were the front runner in signing uh, Malik Monk in free agency, and they didn't—they didn't take long um, to sign him. He was, yeah, he basically signed like well, he agreed uh, right at three at three p.m. or yeah, three p.m. Pacific. I'm a little blanking out a little bit right now. Sorry, but yes, he was the first signing, and honestly, really the only signing thus far for the Kings. Uh, Kings really haven't signed anyone else. They've. Uh, you know, they've, re- well, like, they guaranteed Chemezi Metsu's contract. They offered uh, Keon Ellis and Nemeas Keita, uh, b- both those guys, two ways. And so far, so good. Now, Ma- let's talk about Malik Monk. I like Malik Monk. Like, he was one of the bright spots uh, for, for the Lakers last year for what was a very, very crummy year. Like, he was a terrific shooter, terrific, like, finisher, can run the pick and roll a little bit. Like, he's a good player. And my, you know, like, I listen to ESPN 1320 a lot. And in the same way that some, a portion of Lakers fans seem to think that, you know, Buddy Heel would have solved everything for the Lakers. Casey seemed to, like, think that Malik Monk would have solved everything for the, for the Kings. But, like, that, you know, that aside, like, it, it really started to make me kind of, like, get annoyed with Malik Monk. He's a good player, but he's got flaws, particularly. Does not play any league of defense, and the Kings had too many goddamn guards already, like, that were under 6'4". <laughs> like, you, do you really need more 6'4 guards, who, like, more 6'4 or guards under 6'4 that don't play defense? But you can't deny, like, he can score, he can he can finish, he can shoot like that was actually kind of a surprise. I I for, I thought on the Hornets he wasn't a good shooter, but he was a really like he was a knockdown shooter last year. Like if you if you watch the Kings, he tore. It felt like he torched the Kings every single time. Like it felt like he had six threes in every single game that he played. Which that will be unfortunate for him. He won't get to play the Kings anymore since he'll be a King. So you know, uh, sorry Malik Monk, you're going to have to find another team to bully, to just get straight line drives and get open threes from. So, yes, I really like the signing, but it do- again, it does bring up the, the fact, like, who's going to play defense on this team? Like, uh, it's, it, like, this is not a good defensive team so far in terms of talent. Like, you have Fox and Zabonis. Those guys are probably, are most, more than likely going to be minus defenders. Like, and if you play Fox and Fox and Monk next to each other, I mean, that's a straight line drives every single day, <laughs> all, all day, basically. So unless like they both improve, like 
this is going to be a tough defensive fit. But um, James Ham brought up, like, apparently Malik Mo was really good on defense statistically. And, you know, that can be a little shoddy in my opinion. Like, the Lakers were a generally bad defense. I think I think they might have been average. Their offense was, like, the real issue. But, like, their defense wasn't great. So I don't, I don't know how much you want to put uh, – how much stock you want to put into that. But, like, again, Malik Mo will provide spacing. He will provide a bit of shot creation and will be a microwave most likely off the bench. Um, another thing about Malik Monk is, like, I always felt that Terrence Davis was, I don't want to say a better version of him, but, like, kind of does the same thing, but also plays defense. But now you have two of those guys, and I don't know if there's going to be enough shots, like, com- coming off the bench, like, for these guys. Uh, it'd be interest. I'd be interesting to see how that balancing act goes. But, like, I can't deny it. He is a, like Malik. I mean, is a very, very good player, and I'm very excited to see like Terrence Davis with uh, Sabonis. Like, you know, the cut. Like, he can be he can be a good finisher. Like, he can shoot. Like, one of the one of the guys that was able to shoot on this team is just more of a shot selection thing. Like, he shot 32. percent Like, you know, but I think he's a much better shooter than that. And Malik Monk, uh, I, I really should have these stats in front of me. Why don't I have these stats in front of me? Uh, just gonna quickly <laughs> search it up. You can probably hear the ty- typing. I didn't. I didn't realize the typing was so loud. Let's see. Last year he shot thirty nine percent from three. Like that's really good. And you know the the Kings need shooting. The, the things that they needed was shooting and defense. And you definitely addressed the shooting um, with this with this signing. Now I, now unfortunately they didn't really make another move or they didn't make any more signings after that. I was very sad to see Lonnie Walker like landed land with the Lakers. Um that just felt maybe you could have offered him like a biannual exception possibly. I don't know. It the Kings are kind of strapped with cap space as far as I know, so like I don't know if they could have made that signing anyways. Like you maybe could have like you know run, run back uh Dante Zivincenzo too, but again that would be a crowded crowded backcourt. But like it's but yeah, the, with this signing, the Kings address their shooting issues, their shot creation issues, their somewhat playmaking. I've heard that Malik Mung is an underrated playmaker. He can he can do some pick and roll stuff. That's pretty nice. But you know, we'll see if that works in with the Kings when he is asked. Probably going to be asked to do that quite a bit. We'll see how this works. Now let let let's uh, talk about the other big move that the Kings made. Well, big depending on how you want to put it, the Kings trade. Uh, Mo Harkless and Justin Holiday and a very heavily protected uh, 2024 pick that um, I think is top 12 protected in 2024, top 10 protected in 2025, and then I think top 8 protected in, I want to say, 2026. And basically, there's a lot of protections uh, with that pick. And that's what they gave up to get Kev- Kevin Herter. Now, I no, like I'm, I'm a fan of John Collins and... I was actually kind of a fan of getting John Collins on this team, but like I was, I also mentioned like you know if you can get Kevin Herter too, like I like Kevin Herter, like he's he's got some size, he can shoot, um, he can he can dribble the ball, he can you know when he came when he came to Sacramento to play the Kings, could not miss any layups, like he's a good player, and it's a he's another one of those guys that like you know we'll see how it works because i've re- like over the years like justin holiday was a 38% three point shooter when he came when he came to the kings or before he came to the kings but when he came to the kings could not make a damn shot to save his life but kevin herter 30 like what 38% i think last year oh god damn it got to search it up again 
Let's see. Kevin hurt her. There it is. Yeah, also, yeah, also shot 38%, uh, 38, yeah, 38.9% last year, 37.9% career three-point shooter. Like, the Kings needed offense, or they needed three-point shooting, and they needed defense. They definitely addressed the shooting issue. And, like, defensively, like, Kevin Herter is a solid defender, not exactly your lockdown defender, but definitely can be a, a good team defender. We'll see how this works out, because... Let's be honest, Kings don't have a, a lot of lockdown defenders, and they're going to need more guys like a Kevin Herter to make this work. But it's one of those moves that I, I absolutely love. Like, again, they address their shooting. They address some of their size issues, too. Like, so Kevin Herter's a good 6'7". And, you know, he can play the 2 and the 3. I assume he's going to start next to De'Aaron just to put some size out there. Like, I don't see Malik Monk starting. I'm an advocate for Davion starting with Fox just so that Davion takes on like the better guard and then have like De'Aaron guard like a wing uh, or like a two that maybe doesn't do as much on offense. Um, I think this could work. Like now you have some, now you have like a squad of like, you know, and like really strong rotation players and, you know, like Metu is not relied upon to be your essentially your seventh or eighth guy anymore. Like you, you have a squad, and I, I'm interested in how this works. Like again, they're good. I would like to see them add at least one or two more defenders on this team. Now, I know they signed Keon Ellis. I'm not really a believer in him on defense. Like he can guard ones and twos, mate. Like twos maybe, but that boy is skinny. Um, you know, you're you're gonna need to do more to address that. Um, to address the defense part, but it looks like they more or less have addressed the shooting. Now, I say more or less because, again, the Justin Holiday example, the career 38% three-point shooter before he came to the Kings, could not make a damn shot for whatever reason. Maybe it's the air in Sacramento. Maybe it's the humidity. Who knows? <laughs> like, well, like Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, those guys are good shooters. But I hope it doesn't happen. But, like, all of a sudden they come to Sacramento, can't hit a damn shot, and we're back to square one on offense. But hopefully that's not the case. And the Kings have addressed their shooting issues. And, yeah, they got some damn good players. Like, you know, you have, like, a starting lineup of uh, Fox, um, Kevin Herter, Har Harrison Barnes, if we keep him. Like, that's going to be interesting going forward. Um, uh, what's it called? What, uh, Keegan Murray at, at the four, most likely. Or maybe Trey Lyles at the four. Or maybe have Keegan back, back up uh, Harrison. And then have some bonus. And then you have a bench of Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, Davion Mitchell. Um, you, for a small forward, like or for a shooting guard, you can have well, th well, those are all your basically all your um, guards and point guards and shooting guards, and then for like forwards, like you can have probably even Kevin Herter play three sometimes. That's the, and then like you know you have Chemezi Metsu, you have uh, who's another four you can ba play backup. Like again, Keegan Murray could be the backup four if you want if you want to start Trey Lyles instead, uh, and then backup center you have. Uh, <laughs> Rashawn Holmes is still on this team, and then you have uh, Kata, and uh, Alex Len is also on this team. So you still need some. You still need one or two more wings at least. Even if you don't address the defense issue, at least please, for the love of God, sign another wing because you need. You're gonna need somebody to back up that spot, especially if you know if you trade Harrison. It better be for some sort of wingy type player. Or like particularly a three or like a two with some size. Like Kevin Herter would actually be a pretty good three because he's six seven, and you know you, he can guard some of the like slower, 
like less athletic threes. Um, so yeah, in terms of roster, like it's a better roster than I think uh, from last year. But at the same time, you're gonna need a little bit more, and especially if the Kings are serious about like making the playoffs, like or at least making the play-in. You got a lot of competition in the West, and you're gonna need more talent to be able to put yourself into that uh, into that discussion. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Um, looking forward to Monty making more moves, and you know, like it, weirdly enough, this this one trade has somehow just completely saved his reputation amongst Kings Reddit, Kings Twitter, like almost universally approve of this move like most of them and like most people seem to approve of the malik monk thing other than the fact that he probably won't help you on defense but like you know it's it's been a good i think it's been good so far like you know good vibes in sacramento right now and we'll see how this works uh i just watched keegan murray play he looks like he can shoot <laughs> like so we'll, we'll see how this all works out i'm optimistic about it much just like most of King's Twitter is. And yeah, I'm happy to see where this goes. Um, okay. Uh, there's just one thing I really want to talk about. Uh, I don't really want to talk about the KD thing, although it's going to link into what I'm going to, what I'm talking about right now, which is the Rudy Gobert trade. What the fuck? <laughs> what? I, I gotta, I gotta read the amount of picks. I think it's five picks. We're, it's either four picks and a swap or five picks and a swap or like maybe the five maybe the five picks include uh walker kessler but okay so basically they traded away i believe it's patrick beverly i'll, I'll pull up the athletic well I, I i should have been more prepared this is more i, I mean i just wanted to get this out before uh everything else kind of like really starts to get chaotic let me just pull this up let's see the trade Okay, let me see. So, yes, five first-round picks. Um, well, like, yeah, five first-round picks, including uh, the 22nd pick of this year, uh, Walker Kessler. Three three unprotected uh, first-round picks and a swap. So, until, so, like, that's basically three picks, a swap, and Walker Kessler. So, basically five picks, if you want to think about it that way. They also trade away Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly. And all of that for Rudy Gobert. They do, they do like basically don't they do save themselves Jaden McDaniels, which I like. Like Jaden McDaniels is a good is a good player, um, great defender. But the idea that you trade so basically all your wing, all your perimeter defenders, and like you trade them for a guy that cannot that can't really defend the perimeter, and a guy that arguably like limits your offense a little bit. And has shown on in the playoffs tends to get played off the court. Now I have defended Rudy in the past. Like I don't think the issue is him on defense. He he can actually defend on the perimeter a little bit, and like the Jazz just kind of have him in this scheme that forces him to basically have to drop back and protect the paint, and it's open basically open threes all season, right? It's easy buckets for the opposing team, but like. I don't think he solves many issues for the Wolves unless like they're okay. So let, let's be optimistic about this one or let, let's try to be optimistic right now. Unless, unless Carl Anthony Towns is a really good weak side helper. I don't see this working at all. Like you, you have a guy like theoretically, let's just say like 
you know, Rudy Gobert is going to drop back, and then you have Carlton Towns essentially play the Giannis role as like the weak side rim protector. Like that's where I can see it working. Where I don't see it working is when the you know the other team just goes a little bit small. Carlton Towns not the most fleet of foot as far as I know, or. Or, like, particularly, he's not good at protecting the rim very well. So, like, so that's where, like, Rudy can help a lot. But, like, if you can just kind of size down a little bit, you can just, I think you can get layups and threes on these guys so easily. And, like, I just, and the fact that you gave up, what, essentially five picks for Rudy Gobert of all people. Like, it's, I think this is an awful trade. You you give away, give up, you give up all your perimeter depth. Like, sure, if Carnegie Towns can be a weak side help help defender, sh- maybe this works a little bit. I don't think he can be. And, like, Rudy Gobert only plays one way. Now, Tim Connolly did say, like, he thinks that they were, he was utilized in the wrong way on defense. And I can, I can understand that a little bit. Maybe he, maybe he can, you know, uh, get out, get out into, get out of defendant space a little bit more. But he's not, like, He's not amazing at defending in space. And certain teams, maybe this won't be an issue until they get to the playoffs. This definitely does make them a better team. But I think you but I think the price you pay, and especially when you get to the playoffs, you're not gonna really be able to you I don't think you can get out of the second round. You might be able to get out of the first round, but like I don't think you can make it past the second round because once you get to the second round, you're going to run into a team that can abuse your little double, your, your little double big lineup. And just play one of them off the court, and this goes into my other big big thing. So apparently Minnesota was also in talks for Kevin Durant, which that's an incredible sentence. And like apparently, so the starting price, which you know that's just reported, we don't really know what the starting price is, is three first round picks and a real player. And they were balking at the fact that they would have to include Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns. Now, if you've listened to me before, I am not a fan of Carl Anthony Towns. I think he, I think he is, he himself is a pretty bad ceiling limiter. I think he has bad basketball IQ. He is 100% not the guy. And honestly, I even said they might, they might have wanted to explore trading him because again, he is just not that guy and will hold you back soon. Soon, they just extended him to a five-year supermax. I think a terrible mistake, <laughs> in my opinion, but. Going back to the Kevin Durant thing, I get why you don't want to include Anthony Edwards. I would have 100% included him for Kevin Durant. Now, the age is an issue. The age the age concerns, I get it. But at the same time, you're getting Kevin goddamn Durant. You know, I, Andy, or Carnegie Towns will never reach Kevin Durant levels. I don't think. I just think, I just don't think he has, he has the mentality for it. I don't think he has the IQ for it. He is just a guy that has a lot of talent, but I don't think will ever reach his full potential. Just it, it, he just doesn't have it, if that makes any sense. And the fact that instead you pivot to, you know, include again five goddamn draft picks for for Rudy Gobert, a guy famously going to limit your ceiling most likely. I don't think this makes him into a contender by any means. I just think you're it's, you're so you're there are just t- there's a thing about certain players that you're just not afraid of and it real and part of defense is that you are afraid to attack them Draymond Green is a great defender you can attack him I think a little bit more often than people do but the fact that he has the reputation and the fact that he is really good on defense 
like makes it so people just don't attack him as often as they should. Rudy Gobert, no one, as far, like, from what I've seen, the upper echelon of the league is not afraid of him. Like, ironically, like, Anthony Edwards did an interview saying, like, he, he's not really that good of a rim protector. Granted, I don't know what the hell he was talking about, about KP being a good rim protector. I, I watched the Kings play against him. He didn't protect shit. But it's like, the, Gobert is a guy that, like, the upper echelon of the team just, the upper echelon of the league just does not fear at the rim. Like, they will attack him. I will never get this out of my mind. Like, a lot of people were, like, talking about how, you know, um, Terrence Mann, like, absolutely lit up Rudy Gobert. But the other, there was another part of it. Like, Reggie Jackson, granted, it is Reggie Jackson. He, this, that man, like, has no fear, even though he probably should have a little bit, even though he should calm down a little bit. But, like, Reggie Jackson was not afraid to attack Rudy Gobert. It's just what, like, it. I just think once you get to the playoffs, you are going to you are going to get abused. Rudy is going to get pulled out, and he's going to get attacked from the perimeter. And I don't think Carlton Towns is a good enough weak side rim protector. And I just think one of them will be played off the court, and this will be a waste. You're paying you're paying him for uh, Rudy Gobert forty six million dollars to arguably not be able to get you past the second round. And I think this is an awful awful trade. And I, I don't know what the hell Minnesota is doing. Maybe this works. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the double big lineup does work. We saw it work in Cleveland, but like, granted, it it was injuries that did them in. But like, I mean, that they couldn't make it past the play-in game. Like, it, I I think they're better than I think Minnesota's better than the play-in game. They're probably a lock for the playoffs because this should work in the in the regular season. Let's just say, for example, the Kings. The Kings don't really. I don't think I don't think can abuse this kind of thing, this kind of lineup. Uh, we'll see. But like. You know, I think they can they can like beat up on the weaker teams, but again, you give up all your perimeter, def- uh, most of your perimeter defenders. The only one that's left is Jane McDaniel's, and wh- like they even let Josh Okoye go. Although I don't think he played lot much last year. I don't know who else is going to defend the perimeter. Like you somehow kept D'Lo um, in this trade, which is incredible. Like talk about another like ceiling limiter. Like. Who is going to play defense? Who is going to play perimeter defense on this team other than JD McDaniels? Granted, again, it could it could work with you know an elite perimeter defender and an elite rim protector in Rudy Gobert. But once you get to the playoffs, you, it's going to be barbecue chicken. Like horrible trade in my opinion, horrible mistake by Minnesota. But we'll see. Like I, I'll hold. I'll well, I'm not going to hold judgment. I think again, I think it's a horrific trade, and they made a big mistake. But hey. What do I know, right? I'm just a, I'm just some scrub who who you know can't play basketball right now because you know fucked up my ankle, but who's just talk talking shit on a podcast. So who what do I know, right? Okay, uh, to, just to end on this, uh, just to quickly talk about the California Classic Game One, I wanted to do like you know an episode tomorrow, but I just felt like you know enough. The dust has settled. I feel on on free agency at least for now. So just wanted to get an episode out there, but. Uh, and but one game of the California Classic has happened. Uh, I'll, I'll do I'll do another episode probably covering t- games two, three, and four. It's kind of weird because tomorrow is game two. But um, b- big big takeaway like Keegan Murray, he's good. He's really good. Like he he was absolutely on fire from three. Like I think he was what's four of five from three, and like with twenty six points. Like he was terrific. I, I will say he doesn't he doesn't. Um, 
he doesn't display star quality um, characteristics it, for better or for worse. He's not a guy that dominates the ball. He's not going to break you down off the dribble. Like he's not really going to like, you know, do a triple threat. Well, he did some triple threat stuff, but the point is he's not going to dribble the hell out of the ball. He looks to move the ball. He plays like a role player and you know, he, he looks to move it. Like when he catches it, he looks to move it. Doesn't look to, you know, again, just like dribble the ball, run, pick and roll and do stuff like that. But he, he's a really, he's a role player. Definitely. And some, and the California classic summer league, whatever you want to call it, the preseason, it's not the best place to kind of show off that, that kind of skill set, but because like, you know, he's doesn't, you know, you talk about like dribbling the ball. He's not, a, he doesn't have a great handle. He's not really a creative driver either. He really just bulldozes his way to the rim. Doesn't really have moves and really just kind of overpowered his way to the rim. Um, like when he was like, you know, attacking from like a triple threat position. But other than that, you know, he's, he operates as a cutter. He operates as a spot up shooter. Like the first, the first play of the game is a double screen. And then he flares out, gets a screen from Kata and, and hits a wide open three. And it was at that moment that we made the right pick, right? <laughs> like he's a, he was, he was, be- he's already better than Jay Ivey, right? But like he, like if he just plays like this, if that shot is real, like that's going to be perfect for this team. Like, you know, he, he, he exudes rogue player qualities and will fit into any offense and will definitely fit into the Kings offense off of Sabonis and Fox creating for him. He can't really, he doesn't seem to be able to create yet. But the team doesn't really need that from him. And I'm liking it. Like, this is kind of like an NBA Twitter geeks, like, dream of a player. You just fit in a guy who doesn't need the ball to be effective. He, You know, he's out there, like, making the small plays. You know, he gets rebounds. He plays defense, although I don't think he made too many plays. But, like, he definitely hustles on that end. Like, he's going to be a perfect role player. Like, if if this is a trajectory and... You know, he's still he's still pretty young and like he's going to grow into a better player. So like the signs are very optimistic. The, again, the the star quality stuff like you, you might you know, you would want more, but he doesn't need to be more. Like at least right now, like he can he can like fit into any it seems like he can fit into the Kings offense t- tomorrow and just play his role perfectly and especially if that shot is real, like he's going to be a terrific player for the Kings. <sighs> Um, Kata, like he stood out this game. Now he didn't get any love. He didn't get a lot of love on offense to start. Like the players just were not passing the ball, but it, it took a little bit. And like, once they actually started passing the ball, he started doing shit with it. Like he was nice. Like he was, he was out there like just, you know, driving and like, you know, making nice moves, making like some, making some like really like nice drives with fancy footwork pivots and stuff like that. And yeah, he's, I think he's going to be like, I want to see him in the rotation. He definitely improved and definitely he stuck out out there. Like it, you can definitely tell like, this is not a, this like that. He was definitely like beyond like the players that were on the court. If that makes any sense. Like most of these guys are, you know, two like guys that are going to be in the G league and, you know, like not, not, not to sound like too disrespectful. Like, you know, the, he, like lower tier players and like Kata definitely stands out as a player that like is better than most of these players, if that makes any sense. And, you know, the main thing with him is that, you know, he's great. He's really good on defense. Like he really hunts for blocks. 
He can protect the rim. And I was really impressed with his uh, perimeter defense, like really good energy, like was willing to switch out there to contest. And I think he's going to be really, I think he's going to be good. And I really hope he gets a rotation spot and, you know, plays, plays with the main roster, like as the third big, if, if the Kings can, if the Kings are able to, tr- or like the Kings should be able to trade away like Alex Len and have Kata step in pretty easily. The only issue I see with him, he still seems like he kind of like flails a little bit out there. Like he doesn't plant himself. Like he's a, he looks like a pretty heavy guy, but like he seems like he's off his feet a little bit too much and like will get bumped out the way like by like stronger wings. And, you know, he need he needs to kind of like command space, if that makes any sense. Like his rebounding wasn't great. Like Sabonis is the best example like I've ever seen of just like a guy that, while he's not like huge, like he rebounds like a boss, if that makes any sense. Like he commands the space like that that he that he occupies and will clear out anyone in that area. He like they will not get that rebound if he is if there if it is anywhere near his vicinity. Like he just clears out that space. Kata needs to like plant himself a little better and just command space out there, if that makes any sense. Uh the only other note I have is like Keon Ellis, I like I kind of like what I saw, and like he's he's gonna be a pretty decent defender. Like I think at least against ones and twos. But the main worry with him is his weight. He's what listed at 165 pounds, and that's just not gonna cut it in the NBA. He is going to get pumped by just about anybody in the league. And like people say, like oh he's a wing. He's not. He's not gonna guard wings. He's not gonna be able to. Like, but he was like really energetic, and like you know he was. Like he was out there making plays, getting blocks, getting steals. I think he ended with like one block and two, three steals. I remember right. There's a lot to like about him, and I'm intrigued by him. If he can ever like just add a little bit more weight, I'm I'm really like I'm really looking forward to it. Like what he turns into. Like if and especially if he can hit a shot. He didn't hit a shot this game, but like if he hits shots, he definitely could be a player that plays minutes here. I mean, like, again, he, he seems to be able to be a good player. Like, <laughs> I saw a video on YouTube titled, uh, He's the Steal of the Draft. We'll see. I don't, I don't love the weight thing. Like, it, I, I don't, I'm not trying to weight shame or anything. He literally is like the Chet version, like the wing, the point guard wing version of Chet. Just like crazy, ridiculous, skinny. But like can make plays, like great, like really good hands. Like he had a snatch steal. Like that was really impressive. Like, you know, with a guy like like the guy was trying to lob it over him, but like he saw it and just snatched the uh snatched the ball out of the air like instantaneously. It was incredible. Um I, I like to see what this turns into. I'm intrigued. Like the, the Kings have some interesting options um going forward. I want to see them make another move. Um, I'm not sure I'm willing to like sit sit back and say, oh, this is the this is the roster that gets us the playoffs, and and I'm pretty sure like Monty like knows that this isn't it just yet. They're one, they're another, they're at least one or two more players away, and let's see what kind of moves he he makes. Okay, just to finally close out this episode, uh, let's switch over to some wrestling talk. Um, Money in the Bank just happened. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty okay show for the most part. Um, it opened with the women's money in the bank. Like, I, I mean, I always love these kinds of matches. Like, you know, it's a spot fest. It's, you just kind of like, you, I've always loved multi-person um, 
the multi-person matches because like the create the amount of creativity that you know a lot of these uh performers like that like these like when you get to the wwe when you're on tv when you're on pay-per-view you're a top tier talent and like the creativity like that these uh wrestler show like in the ring is always top notch and for the most part this match didn't disappoint there were a few like moments where it was a bit eh like you know kind of a bit botchy and uh like there was there was one spot where um was it Raquel I know her name is like Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez I think it's Raquel Rodriguez she tried to deadlift two people um on a ladder and it just didn't work yeah, don't hurt your back knowing that. <laughs> um, but like there there were like noticeable moments where like definitely they tried to do something and it just didn't really work. If that make it makes any sense. Like Shotzi Blackheart tried to do a few things, but it just like she tried to run up the ladder, but just could not do it. And I think I had to stop short and it, it just it just stood out to me. But overall, I thought it was a fun match. Like Becky basic Becky like almost winning it was like really awesome and then you know, a little underdog win. I, I've been on her for a while. Like, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan won. And, like, that was really cool. Like, this has, you know, vibes of last year with uh, Nikki A.S.H. Like, Nikki A.S.H. at the time, like, was kind of up and rising. And all of a sudden, she just won the money in the bank and then cashed in. I think it was literally the next night and became the women's champion. Um, In this case, um, we'll just skip, like, later on later on in the night. Um. She cashed in on Ronda Rousey after a pretty, I thought it was a pretty fun match, fun submission match between her and uh, Natalia, real technical. I'm not into uh, Ronda Rousey. I think she just gives me these vibes where she's just like, she don't, she doesn't really want to be here. Although when she wrestles, it's actually kind of fun. I just, I just don't, I just can't really get into her. She's just, her personality is just very, very entitled and very just stuck up, if you will. Um, but like you know, and then uh, after the after a pr pretty good match, you know she's a bit hobbled after just taking the sharpshooter for so long. Um, and yeah, I think she injured her ankle. Well, I didn't I didn't catch it, but like I think she like injured her ankle. Um, and basically, Liv Morgan like hit her ankle and then rolled her up for the championship win. And then they hugged and she walked away. I'm I'm assuming a heel turn coming soon. Like Ronda Rousey is not a not a great babyface. She doesn't have that. Um, she does. She's not good at cutting like scripted babyface promos. They got to turn her heel, and this is a good chance to do it. You know. Um, and then we'll just. We'll, I I guess I'll quickly talk about the. Uh, what's it called? The what was it? What was the second match? It was Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory. Now I I don't really love Austin Theory, just because primarily because he is Vince McMahon's guy. And like Vince McMahon has said, he sees him as a future world champion, a uh, John Cena level star. I don't really see that in him, but like he's actually a really, really good wrestler. Like I really like his character work. I really like like the way he bumps and the way he acts like a total chicken shit against Bobby Lashley. And you know, Bobby Lashley is awesome. He's got muscles in places you don't you didn't know you could get muscles in. Like he is a beast of a man. That was a really fun match, and uh, surprisingly, Bobby Lashley won. It was I was surprised. I was expecting Theory to chicken shit his way out of this one, but he ended up he ended up um, losing the match. And then later on, he joins the Money in the Bank. We'll get to that in a bit. The tag team match, awesome. Just 
like I watched Jason. I, Jason Jones was like tell it was like talking about how this is a main event caliber match, and it definitely was. Like imagine just the Usos. I'm really sad that they didn't have this chance, but imagine if they like just wrestled in the old NXT tag team division. They went up against the Revival, went up against DIY. Um, I guess Ricochet and Alistair Black, like they were cool, but they weren't really a tag team. Like NXT Viking Raiders, like they would they would fit right into that. And they had a really like awesome match with amazing near falls. Um, ultimately, ultimately the Usos hit the, was it called the 1D? I'll be honest, haven't really followed the wrestling as much. It's basically the 3D, <laughs> 3D, uh, that, that the Dudleys used to use and they managed to catch the win, but like, apparently, uh, Jay, I don't even know which one hooked, um, his shoulder up and it shouldn't have been a three count. I don't, I don't know if that's going to turn into something. Like, the Street Profits have been teasing turning heel for a while now, so maybe it's finally coming? We'll see. And then the main event, the money, the men's money in the, in the bank ladder match, Jesus Christ can't speak. Like, it was it was fun. Like, it always is fun. Like, Matt Riddle is probably the hottest baby face uh, in the company right now. That was really cool. The only complaint I have, I wish Seth Rollins did a little bit more. Like, he is a main event top caliber guy. Like, you can... You can slot him. You can he he should be able to be he should be doing more than just whatever he did. It just didn't feel like he was there. Like he did a few moves, and then most of the match was focused on Omos being big and tall. And then Drew McIntyre and Sheamus had their part. Um, Riddle had his thing, and then um, Sami Zayn just being a little chicken shit heel trying to sneak in a win here and there. I would have loved it if he actually won. And then Theory kind of being that opportunistic chicken shit heel. And then ultimately Riddle runs wild for a little bit. And for for the entire last part, the last sequence of, of the match, I was just thinking, so I think Theory got hit hit by Omas's uh, finisher, which is essentially the Great Kali, the double hand slam thing. I think it's called like the tree trunk slam, I think is what it's called. Like he gets hit by it. And for like the last part of the of the match, I'm just saying he's work, he's coming back. It's been a while since we've seen Austin Theory. He's coming back. He's coming back. And then it looked like Riddle had won it. And then you just and then in the corner of on the left side of the screen, I, you see Austin Theory just sneak in there like a little chicken shit heel he, that he is and wins the match. Again, I don't love Theory, but like I can actually see he's a really good, he's a he's a good wrestler. He's a good character. He's good. It's just that. He is Vince McMahon's guy, and Vince McMahon's guy is getting his push. And you can't deny, like, he gets heat. It, it's closer to Baron Corbin heat for, for me, but, like, at the same time, like, he's he's got something. And, like, I don't know if it's John Cena levels, but now that he's got money in the bank, like, is he going to be the one to beat Roman? I don't think so. Like, I don't see it. Vince McMahon might see it. I, like, Roman is so beyond anyone at this point. Like, I don't see anyone beating him, like, you know, convincingly, if that makes any sense. I don't think The Rock's beating him. I don't think Brock's beating him. We've seen that 10,000 times. I don't see Theory being the guy to dethrone him either. That really would be pretty underwhelming. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. But ultimately, I thought it was a fun show. Money in the Bank is always fun. Like, it's it's probably Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and then this, Money in the Bank, is are my favorites. SummerSlam can be hit or miss. 
but like money in the bank you always can rely on like at least one of the money in the bank matches and i thought both were pretty good but you can always rely on one of the money in the bank matches being really good so yep kudos to wwe another nice little show um glad to i'm kind of curious to see what they do with the money in the bank the women's money in the bank's already been cashed in so so there's no intrigue with that but like the men's money in the bank probably gonna cash in on roman soon we'll see what happens okay well then now that that's out of the way i got nothing else on the docket so i'm gonna call it a day for this episode thank you guys for listening uh we'll catch you guys back on the next one and hopefully on the next episode uh fong will be back <laughs>